one of the markers of our lives, something that we all share in common. And we will share it in common for as long as we live is that there is a dividing line in our thinking, in our experiences between pre-COVID and post-COVID. And I know we don't like to think about that and uh, don't like to admit it, but it's true. Like there was life before 2020 and now there's life after and we will always use that kind of as a marker. It's not the only marker. It's not the only dividing line. There are others. There will be more. Some of us are old enough that 9-11 is one of those markers for us. Like there's before and after. We go to the airport and we tell our kids, well, you used to not have to. And we explain, you used to be able to. Uh, um, uh, metal detectors were not as ubiquitous. Uh, as they are today. There was a time before, and there's a time after, and COVID is that way. With 9-11, it was, it, it was our country. I know it, it affected globally, but we experienced it in a different way than other countries experienced it, certainly, more personally. Uh, COVID is more global, like all around the world. We've all had similar experiences, not the exact same experience, but we've had similar experience. We all have this before and after, and like I said, we don't like to think too much about that, but if there was a positive conversation in the middle of that, if you kind of go back in your brain a year or two, again, you don't want to do that, but just go with me. There was one consistent positive conversation throughout that, and it was the conversation of, well, it's nice that we have more time now. Well, it's not. We're, we're eating at home more than I can ever remember us eating at home. Remember that conversation? Um, uh, we have evenings free. We have weekends free, right? There was nowhere to go. Everything was closed, travel destinations you couldn't go to. And so there was this conversation of, well, this part is nice. This is not so nice. All of these things we don't like. This part... It really feels good. I really love this part of what we're experiencing. And that led to many people, maybe some of you, saying, when this is over, it was funny when we thought that was going to happen, when this is over, I hope we keep this part of what we've learned. We've learned that we need to eat dinner together more often. We've learned that we need to be at home more. We've learned we don't need to fill our calendars with so much stuff. We don't, we don't need to run all of the time. We don't need to go here and go there. We could kind of streamline. I hope when this is over, we don't go back to the stressed out life we were living. How's that working out? Because from what I can tell, we kind of filled life up really quickly. When things started opening back up or when life started moving back towards normal, we started putting all the things back in that we said we were going to try not to put in. It's like having a basement. How many of you have a basement? Finished or unfinished? It's like having a basement. You tell yourself, we're going to keep this organized. Keep this clean down. It's going to be usable space for something. And then you put a box down there. 
and then you put three boxes down there and then somebody who knows sneaks into the house and puts 20 boxes down there you buy some new furniture and you put the old furniture down there till you figure out what to do with it six years later it's still down there that's what basements do they just collect don't they just over time mindlessly if you don't have a basement you have a garage you used to park cars in there that's the part i'm the place you used to park a car that's what i'm talking about because you started putting things in there and tools and lawn equipment and then you thought well, we got to get organized we got to we got to put some shelving in here so you put shelving in there and you filled up all the shelves and went back to putting it on the floor and you could not get a car in there today if you tried smaller places in your house the junk drawer we all have at least one it just collects stuff random stuff you don't even know where the stuff comes from sometimes it just shows up in this drawer anybody missing something have you checked the junk drawer you don't open the junk drawer when guests come over and give them a look, do you? Hey, look at here. Look at what we got. That closet, that one, two, three closets that you just throw stuff. When you're having company, you got that closet, right? You got that closet that you throw everything in because you're having company and you close the door. Space has a way of filling up. We don't intend to fill it up. It's not our goal to fill it up. We didn't have a strategy for filling it up. It just fills up. Now, our lives tend to be like that garage. They tend to be like that basement. It's space, 24 hours, seven days a week. We have space that is our life, and none of us set out to get stressed out, did we? None of us made it a goal to run from here to there, to the after school, to the before school, to, to the practice, to the game, to the travel, to the thing, to the obligation. Like none of us sat down and said, I just want to fill up my life with as much stuff as I can possibly fill up. It's my goal that we never eat a meal outside of a moving vehicle. Like nobody does that. We want to be doing at least 50 every time we eat. That is nobody's goal. And yet we tend to just fill stuff up. The garage of our life, it gets boxes and it gets tools and it gets random things and things we can't say no to and obligations we feel like we have. Our life is a basement. And, it, and it's not just time. What, what we've learned looking back on the past couple of years, it's not just time that we've done this with, it's finances we've done this with. In April of 2020, the um, average household savings, April of 2020, if you can get there in your mind, peaked at a record-breaking 33.8% of income. Okay, Right in the middle of the lockdown, shutdown, whatever it was. Right in the middle of that, and I get it, there was stimulus money, there was, there was all of these unusual situations, but 
April of 2020, people were saying, you know what, we're going to pay off debt, we're going to get out of debt, we're going we're to establish an emergency fund, we're going to increase our savings so, so we don't have to put things on credit card anymore, we're going to attack. April of 2020, average household savings, 33.8% of income. April 2022, two years later, a couple months ago, average savings was 4.4%. Two years. April 2020, nobody said, I want to pay off a bunch of debt, and I just want to run it back up again. I want to build up some savings, and I want to blow it all in the next two years. Nobody said that. Life just does that. Life just has a way of stacking up on this. One report found that in this past May, May of 2022, Americans had an average of $9,000 less in savings than they did one year prior to that. Average of $9,000 less. And again, I realize, unusual circumstances the past couple of years. Agreed. Unusual circumstances, current circumstances, inflation, gas, housing market, crazy, ridiculous circumstances, but in less than 24 months, people went from, we're just flush with cash, we got all this savings, we're paying off all this debt, to $9,000 less in savings in one year, last year. So this, this, this is, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This is not like a guilt thing. This, I'm not beating up on you. We're all in this together. I, I'm telling you, this way life is. Life just slowly grabs and takes and adds and fills up and gives stress and it's not just time and it's not just finances it's emotional stress it's relational stress it's stress stress like all of the things that life gives us and adds to us and and ask us to carry you're supposed to carry this you're obligated to take on this and, and it's, it's one thing for our basement to fill up or our garage to fill up or our junk drawer to fill up. That's, that's one thing. But when our life fills up to overflowing and we're constantly running to try to keep up and try to do more and try to meet all of the obligations, that's something different, right? When, when our financial world is on the edge of collapse, that's different than not being able to park our car in the garage. When emotionally we're on that ragged edge of mental health, that's different from our junk drawer. Our life getting overextended is a problem. Here we are, we stand here, first Sunday in August, and, and we are getting back to the routine, is what we say, right? We're getting back to the routine. And, and what we mean is our life becomes a little more predictable. Maybe that's what we mean. It, be, it becomes a little more predictable. But, but I think below that, what we're really on the edge of is adding back all of that stuff again. All of the before school, after school, the practices, the games, the running, the obligations. Okay? And, and if the school calendar doesn't affect your, your household, your boss is going to do that. 
right? uh, family members are going to obligate you to things that people are going to want you to do things want you to say yes want you to add more and more life just does this it just hands us boxes it just hands us more things it tries to fill up our whole life and, and the challenge sometimes is that not all of those boxes are bad things this would be easier if the things that are filling up our lives were all horrible awful things that we hated but a lot of them aren't a lot of them are things we want to do things we think are important that things that are fun things that we enjoy doing but we just keep putting more boxes in and the result of what it does to us emotionally what it does to us spiritually the the fact that we lack any sense of renewal or rest or our soul doesn't have any time to to be renewed the result is the same whether the boxes are good things or bad things so we're so we're stepping into this series called margin because that's what a lot of us lack we lack any space around the edges of our day or the edges of our life or the edges of our checkbook or, or around the edges of our emotions. We lack breathing room. We, we, we lack an opportunity to be renewed, to rest, just to catch our breath. Um, do, do we have, yeah, here's the, um, here's the series graphic, um, which Zach drew, so... And then he redrew it on the chalkboard in the back as if he's not talented enough already. But he, he does such a great job of capturing like stuff, math and back to school and there's like a pizza in the back and, and a notepad and, and it's all sort of crammed in all of these lines and, and, and it goes like right up to the edges because this is the way we live our life. I got to get this in and I got to get this in, but then there's all this other stuff that's got to happen too, and it's hard to do that because this is happening, and, and we color all the way to the edges of the page with our life. And some of us think, well, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to make the most of our time, and should, shouldn't we manage our time? And if we have space, we ought to put something in it, and, and I get it. I mean, there's a place for time management, and Sometimes a lack of time management is what gets us in this feeling of being exhausted or, or overrun. But when our life is crowded, when there's no space for rest and renewal and, and hearing from God and, and attuning to spiritual issues in our life, you can't time manage your way out of that. Right? When, you can only organize the garage so much when you have all of that in there. And it's still crammed. And sometimes we think, well, I just got to manage my time better. I got to be better at this. I got to be faster at that. I got to put this right here. And, and, and that doesn't always solve the issue. Sometimes the issue is there is just not any space. And I keep running day after day, week after week, season after season in this hard pace. Your vehicles uh, have an RPM gauge, right, a tachometer, and uh, it has a little red part over on the right. If you have a manual, tr if, if you have an automatic transmission, which most of us do, it's basically useless, right, uh, other than to tell you when your transmission is about to blow up. Other than that, automatic transmission, it doesn't tell you a whole lot, but if you have a manual transmission, 
It's, it's there to say, okay, you can't run this thing all the way over in the red all the time. You've got to shift at some point. You've you got to give the engine a break. Like You can't run it all the way over here all of the time, and yet that's how some of us try to live our lives, like pegged all the way over here. I just got to keep going. I got to do more. I got to go faster. And your life, like your car, if you keep running it at that spot, at that pace, it will break down or blow up on you. And you may have been there before. You may know people who have been there before that they kept racing and pushing and going and going until things blew up on them. We're going to use, um, for this idea of margin, we're going to use Richard Swenson's uh, definition. Richard Swenson, back in the 90s, wrote a book called Margin. He followed that up with a book called The Overload Syndrome. This was his definition of margin, and, and we're just going to use it for this series. It's the space between our load and our limits. Space between our load and our limits. This is what I have to do. This is my capacity to do more. This is what I have to do. This is my capacity. These are the number of waking minutes that I have. And this is all that I have to get done with those waking minutes. Margin is the difference between those. Here are all of my financial obligations for this month. And here is my income. All right. Unfortunately, sometimes here are all of my financial obligations and here is my income, right? It kind of works the other way. Swenson says, margin is the difference between your load, what you're carrying, time, emotion, relational, financial, what you're carrying, your load, this is what I have, and this is the amount of energy or capacity that I have. And Swenson's argument is there should be a difference between load and limit. Load and limit should not be the same. You and I can't keep running at full capacity all the time. Do you ever, scrolling through social media or on the internet, do you ever come across uh, professional weightlifters. I, I'm assuming they're professional. They're like in a big coliseum or something. People are cheering. I think must be a professional. Huge hulking beings. And when they do the deadlift, they walk out, and their goal is to pick up as much weight as they possibly can. And they have a routine, like they pace around. They have a, a little person there that's pumping them up. You got this. Go, big guy. They chalk up, and they grab it. And then they begin to tug, and the weight starts slowly lifting off the ground. And this a few seconds in, they start sweating. Like their arms start shaking. You see their knees quivering. Their eyes pop out. The veins are everywhere. And they, they can hold this for just a few seconds as they're screaming and as they're quivering and then they drop it and there's a big loud sound everybody goes crazy and cheers this is what some of us are trying to do in our life we're trying to pick up as much as we can and hold it as long as we can Weightlifters were not created to do that you definitely are not you are not created to pick up as much as you can and hold it as long as you can and quiver and shake and eyes pop out. 
until you just can't do it anymore. This, this is not how you are made. Why is this important? Why is this margin idea important? couple of reasons. This is the most important one. First one's most important. It's this one. God commanded us to live with margin. You read the Bible. God has commanded us to live below our limits, below our max capacity. Creation story. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 1, we're told the creation story. It's told over a seven-day period. God did this, and God did this, and God did this. We get to chapter uh, 2 of uh, Genesis, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. God sets this example. You have seven days. Your goal is not to fill up all seven days. Your goal is not to go to your limit, not the full capacity. God says, I'm going to set an example. I'm going to work these six days, and then the seventh day is going to be a day of renewal. It's going to be a day of rest. There's going to be margin between what I have and what I'm trying to carry. Now, God didn't need this. God wasn't tired at the end of the sixth day. God wasn't sweating and quivering at the end of the day. He did this for us as an example. You cannot run at full capacity. You cannot run at the limit day after day after day. God did not trust us to pick up on his example. So he codified this in the Ten Commandments, right? This is commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Like knowing we would read right past Genesis 2 and not apply it to ourselves, God says, all right, I'm going to command you to have margin in your life, to have renewal in your life, to have rest in your life. It's a commandment, God says. Then God uh, gives us examples throughout the Old Testament to go with it. When God provided food for the nation as they're wandering in the wilderness under Moses... He gives them manna and quail, provides for them every morning except for the seventh day. God says, look, on the sixth day, get a little bit extra because I'm not sending you food on the seventh because if I send you food, you're going to go to work and I'm not going to let you go to work. God has to force his people to slow down by not sending them food on the seventh day. What does it say about us that God has to command us to slow down. What does it say about our need to work and run and go, our ability to fill up our lives with stuff? What does it say about our tendency to equate our value with our busyness, to equate our worth with what we do, that God has to say, I'm commanding you to stop sometimes. I'm commanding you to rest and care for your soul. I'm commanding you to worship and rest and celebrate everything that happened those six days. We're not good at this. That's what it says. We're not naturally good at this, most of us. 
We are really good with filling stuff up and taking on more and running and doing. God says you got to slow down. Financial one. God says to his people, when you have a field and you go to harvest it, don't harvest all the way to the edges. Leave a margin, right? Don't harvest the corners. Don't go over it a second time. You don't have to keep going over and over and over. Harvest it. Leave the edges. Let people who are without reap the benefits of that. You do not have to harvest your maximum capacity all of the time. You can rest. You can have space. You can breathe. You can be renewed. God commands this. God gives examples of this. And, and yet we live just, just like they did. We live in a time where, where work is considered valuable. Doing is considered valuable and resting is considered lazy. Busy is noble. Sustainable pace is considered lazy. We're in that world. And so God says, this is my command. You can't live to your full capacity. Don't do that. You are not created that way. Rest. Another reason. When we live without margin, any unexpected event can cause a crash. Just a really practical one. When we're living at the full limit of our capacity, if anything goes wrong, things start falling apart. Right? We've all lived there, right? We've all lived there. Let, I mean, let's be honest. We have to push into the red occasionally, short seasons of time. We have to carry a lot. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ongoing, day after day, week after week, full capacity, pushing all the way and you know because most of us have been there when we're living there either with our calendar or with our finances or with our emotions we're at the full limit one thing doesn't go according to plan and things really start falling apart because there's no space we we don't have any way to account for that when my family flies which is very seldom sometimes we take a trip and we'll we all go to the airport and we fly my family always protests at the time I tell them we're going to leave. We're going to leave at this time. Don't care when the flight is, this time. Get out of bed, be ready. Car's leaving, I will leave you. We are leaving at this time. And they would complain and they would bargain. They would act like they were still asleep until... One of them went with a group of friends without me on a trip and missed their flight. And, it la and I got so many text messages after that. Oh, Dad, thank you so much for getting us to the airport on time. Oh, good, Dad, thank you. Uh, you see, here's the thing. You could, theoretically, leave from here and catch a flight at the airport an hour from now. You could theoretically do that if you don't run into any traffic between here and there if you find a parking spot quickly once you get there or if the shuttle is like right there when you get there to take you uh to the air if there's no line at check-in if you have no problems at security if, if it's the close absolute closest terminal that your plane is leaving you could make it but if anything goes wrong you're not gonna make it 
you're not going to make it. And a lot of us live our life that way. And that unexpected, financially, we're at full capacity, maybe beyond because of credit cards. We're at full capacity, and when the car breaks down and the appliance breaks down, the air conditioner has to be replaced. Okay, again, this is not guilt. This, we all have different situations. I totally understand that. It's the principle of building this space, the wisdom of building this margin into all of the areas of our lives. If you're running at 100% capacity emotionally, and I know sometimes life calls that of us, but you can't do that for very long. Because if you've been there, you know that one person says something that you take the wrong way and it's over. You have no allowance for the unexpected. Another reason. When we live without margin, other people suffer. This is the one we don't consider very often. When we live without margin, we live at this pace, this constant this run, 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 fit as much in as I possibly can, do more than I have time to do. When we live at that pace, other people get affected. We tend to think I'm covering this up really well. That's how we view ourselves when we're under all of that stress and, and, and all, of, uh, all of the pressure of living at max capacity, we think, I'm handling this. Like everybody else, they don't know I'm stressed out. I'm handling it. Oh, they know. Like I, I, would, I would be willing to bet even the people you know casually recognize that your life's kind of spinning out of control. And I can promise you the people who are close to you know that your life is spinning out of control all the time. Other people get caught up in the vortex of our inability to have rest and space in our lives. John Mark Comer is a, a pastor who went through a season of this, got close to burnout. He, he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is kind of a takeoff on a Dallas Willard quote. But at one point in his book, he writes, Hurry and love are incompatible. All my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry. Late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day, I ooze anger, tension, a critical nagging, the antithesis of love. See, I'm not the only one that suffers under this pressure. When I am feeling the weight of an overscheduled life, my irritation comes out at the people around me. When I'm feeling the pressure of financial concerns, I'm short with the people who are close to me. Right? That, that stuff shows up. When, when I'm emotionally maxed out, it shows up in the way I talk to other people. It's not just me. When there's no space in my life, when I'm running at full tilt, I can convince myself I'm handling it or I'm covering it up and nobody knows that is never the case. Never the case. That pressured life has a way of coming out. Last thing. Why is this important? In the margin is where the most important parts of life happen. 
That's where the most important parts happen. Or to say it another way, when we lack margin, we lose what is most significant. Spending time in God's Word, that happens in the margin. That happens because I, I have space. Prayer, that happens in the margin. When I can get still with God, when I can be quiet in God's prayer, meditating, that happens in the margin. Worship happens in the margin. Caring for other people, serving other people, that happens when I have margin time. Deep, cultivating, deep, encouraging friendships, that happens in the margins. When I have space to give to that, I am present with my spouse. I, I am present with my kids. I am present with my close friends when I can breathe. When I have margin. Whenever your life fills up to overflowing, I can guarantee you some of the most important things are getting thrown out of your life to make room for all the other things you think you've got to do. Because that's, that's where the important things happen. We look at the life of Jesus over in the Gospels. And Jesus is the one always saying to his followers, you know what, guys, let's get away and rest. Guys, let's, guys, let's, let's go away and pray. In the middle of his mission to save the world, as he's healing people, as he's, as he's declaring the kingdom of God, it is Jesus, the Son of God, who frequently says, I, I got to get away. I got to go away and be with God. I, I got to pray. I got to talk to my father. I, I just need to be with this group of guys. I need to be with these friends a little bit. Before we get back into all that's going to be happening, all the things we have to do, I just need to be a little. I need breathing room. I, I, I need space. Jesus is on a boat one time in the middle of a storm, and he goes to sleep. This is how unhurried he was. This is how he didn't stress. I mean, you won't find a verse that says, and Jesus was in a hurry. And Jesus was really stressed out. And Jesus was overloaded with things to do that day. You don't find this talk of Jesus. And if, if we're following him, if he's our model, then, then we have to live that life. Here's, a, here's your assignment for next week. If you come back next week, we'll talk more about how to start doing this. Here's your assignment for next week. Just identify where the clutter is in your life. Where is it? I don't mean the garage or the basement, although... That might help get some of that cleaned up. But, I mean, where is it that you're, you're panting for breath, like you can't catch up, you feel like you're carrying your whole maximum load? Just identify where that is. One of the ways that 
Jesus calls us away in the midst of hurry and in the midst of chaos and in the midst of stress is, is he said to his disciples, look, I want you to pause. And rem- They didn't know it, but he was saying, I want you to remember that I died for you. I mean, you're that important that the Son of God came to earth and died for you. And Jesus told us, I want you to think about this every once in a while. That you are eternally valuable. These things that are filling you with pressure and filling you with stress, these things that you're up all night about and you can't turn your brain up, pause every once in a while and realize, man, God loves me. Man, God loves me. Jesus, Jesus died for me. I'm, I'm running myself ragged, and Jesus has already approved of me. He's forgiven me. He loves me. He values me. Just pause and remember. There's a cup that was in your seat. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, if if you believe him to be the son of God, the savior of the world who died for you, then we invite you into this moment of just breathing, just remembering what Jesus did for you. You don't have to prove anything this morning. You don't have to show Jesus your to-do list. Jesus, look how busy I am. I'm really important. You don't have to do that this morning. He loves you. He's for you. He gave his life for you. Jesus said to his disciples, This is my body that's been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. took the cup likewise and he said drink this all of you and when you do when you stop when you breathe when you set aside all the pressure and all the stress know that this is the blood of a new covenant that I'm giving for you you don't have to strive for it and you don't have to work for it you don't have to be busy for it he gave it for you because he loves you that much do this in remembrance of me God help us to breathe Help us to begin with this moment to be still. Tomorrow it starts again. We do not prove our worth or our value beginning tomorrow. You've already given that to us. You've already said you love us. We don't have to prove anything to you. 
We are redeemed. We are set apart. We are your children. We're chosen. Help us to carry that thought all this week. We start to get anxious. We start to rush. We start to hurry. We start to feel overwhelmed. You have chosen us. You have set your love on us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.